Hello and welcome to Inspire the Podcast with Nicola Wills. I am so excited. Literally interviewing these next guests is my dream come true. Now a disclaimer, Stuart and Francis, you're about to hear from, are my absolute best, best, best friends in the whole wide world. They are my ride or dies. We spent a whole of our 20s living together. But for me, there is nothing more inspiring than seeing these guys grow to what they have created. And it was just the biggest honor to get them on here today so you can hear from them and hear some of the stories that obviously I know that I've lived and breathed with them, but that you can hear firsthand and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they went through that and they've come through it. And now look at them hitting in excess of a million all over social media. So before I do go into chatting with them, let me just share their bio with them. So Stuart started his career in theatre starring in Starlet Express, the Rocky Horror Show and Andrew Lloyd Webber's Aspects of Love. Francis has appeared in four West End shows, Singing in the Rain, Legally Blonde, Elf the Musical and Dirty Dancing. Now, we all met at the same stage school, Arts Educational. The boys then went on to their first date in the 10th of January 2010, which is over 13 years ago. And they're still growing stronger and stronger and they are now happily married couple. (gasps) After 10 years in the performance industry, Stuart and Francis built a multi-million pound business online. Now, lockdown hit and only three months after that, Stuart's dad died and it made them really realise the importance of family. So they wanted to start their own. The process started in 2020 and baby boy Rio was born on November 2021, exactly two years to the very month that Stuart's dad passed away. Now they share their story online and hope in excess of a million followers over all social media platforms. And to top it all off, they're expecting their second baby in September. So please welcome to the show, Stuart and Francis. <laughs> so guys, let's, <laughs> let's strip it all back to the beginning. Where did it all begin? Right. Well, also, I just want to say it's so wonderful hearing your bio back. Like, like the whole million thing sounds so good when someone <laughs> says it back to you. Um, so both Stuart and I come from very different parts of the UK. I grew up in a little village in Wales, actually, and I have uh, foreign parents. So my mum's Dutch, my dad's Norwegian, and I'm one of four boys. And I would say I had a very eclectic upbringing. Um, and when I try and explain it to people, I'm like, this maybe seems a bit bizarre, maybe a bit hippie, but it was the most enriching, fabulous childhood. So my parents work with special needs people full time. They were volunteers. It was live and work for this passion of working for this college. And we were very much living amongst that as kids. And it was just the most incredible education growing up, watching the way my parents worked with these special needs people. And I think what I really learned is like, they just have zero judgment of people. And that's something I really respect in both my parents. And yeah, I went to a normal Welsh school. I learned to speak Welsh at school. So it was kind of normal school. And then home life was kind of very fun and very eclectic. But yeah, that's, that was my upbringing. And I found performing in my kind of mid teens. And that's kind of what drew me to London by the age of 16. I kind of, as soon as I, well, I, I was watching musicals from a very young age and always loved it. But as soon as it clicked, I'm sure both you guys feel exactly the same. As soon as I knew exactly what I wanted to do, my head was completely obsessed with it. And yeah, I ended up in a London stage called 18, which you both went to too. Yeah. And so I, I'm from Hayes, Hayes and Harlington, massive. Mm-hmm. And I... I had the same kind of like obviously different upbringing to Francis in terms of like the town that I was living in. But I feel like what both me and Francis definitely did have is that, like you just said, that passion for me, it was to be a pop star. So my dream was to be a pop star, then be on EastEnders and then do Panto for the rest of my life. That was <laughs> that was kind of my because I used to go and watch the Pantos at the Beck Theatre and I used to there was um who was it Danny Minogue was at the Beck Theatre and she signed my autograph and I was just like oh my god I want to be in uh, a soap so that's where kind of like my vision was as a young kid was to be on TV to be in EastEnders so I went I thought going to musical theatre school would actually end help me get there but actually after I went there I realized that actually I should have done an acting course rather than a musical theatre course another another story but had a great career in musical theatre and I actually loved my 10 years in musical theatre and then we then built a business together for the past 10 years and then as you said like start went to start a family and here we are right now with 
an amazing social media we were we were actually looking through some of the first messages we sent to each other which was by email um at the time when we first met and we were just laughing at the language that we were using because we were so young and i just feel like feel like if a soulmate does exist Stuart is my soulmate like I really felt well, both of us really felt from a very like third date that this was going to be something you know incredible and here we are 13 years later a baby who's 15 months another baby on the way it is absolutely crazy but I think also what's really crazy is how the world has changed around us for us to be able to have a family and be doing what we're doing and sharing that online and be so accepted is it is really just, yeah, when you consider our history and where we've come from and the chances of us meeting is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, it is mm. extra, extra special. And so what was it like for you guys, um, you know, growing up and at school? Did you, how would you have quite a simple school life? Was there any bullying involved? Like, how, how was that for you? I think for me, I'll start first on this one. I feel like for me, my primary school was amazing. Like, I literally had the best primary school years and my early years... Because being flamboyant and wild as a, as a kid, actually, people just loved that. It, it wasn't really seen as like anything different. But it wasn't until I went into secondary school and in my primary school, I remember there's one moment and I was like, oh, this is really different. So in primary school, it was all about how loud you could sing. You'd sit on the floor and with your legs crossed and you'd be singing really, really loud. I went to secondary school in year seven and I was still singing really, really loud. And people turned around to me and was like, what is your problem? Why? What? And I, and that was the first kind of dent in my kind of like, oh, I can't be my fun, wild, big self because I've got to try and fit into this new secondary school. And secondary school, I found, I found, I found it really difficult because I wasn't really in my body. I was just like, in terms of my spirit, my spirit was in my body. It was always trying to be something I wasn't always trying to kind of, I wanted to be in the cool gang, but was obviously never in that cool gang. And yeah, and that kind of gave me my first bit of determination to be like, I am going to prove all of these little people <laughs> wrong because I felt like that, that that was my first experience of being underestimated. And I, that was the thing that for me that has driven me my whole career um, in you know, later life is being that, that un- people always used to underestimate me. And I'm like, why do they do that? Um, and so then obviously it's, it's given me the fight and the drive and the determination. So although at the time it was really not a nice experience, it has definitely shaped me into the person I am now. And I, I have to, you know, give a lot of my attributes to that, to those kind of like early stages in my secondary mm-hmm. school. And then I went to musical theatre school, which was just literally, I could be myself. I was allowed to be elaborate. I was allowed to, I felt like I found my people. Um, And I've kept a lot of my closest friends are from that moment because I really found like it kind of was an experience where people for the very first time in my life understood me, accepted me, and I never let those people go. I'm just like, I want to keep you close. Um, And then, yeah, I just loved it. I can really relate to that power and that determination. And it definitely comes from having to fight for, you know, and I got told recently in, in a, in a therapy session of mine that, you know, and I, for the first time fully accepted that we grew up in an unfair time. It was unfair to be gay at that time because there was absolutely no talk. There was no confirmation. There was no positive representation. So I found in primary school, I was a very quiet child, very kind of, you know, dreamy, maybe kind of, if I consider the way I felt, it was very lonely, actually. I didn't know how to navigate the way I was feeling and the way I dealt with it was just to suppress it. So I remember being on the playground at nine and my mum could gauge that I was a sensitive and different child, but I liked to be, you know, flamboyant and perform. And she sent me to ballet because that was one of the options in our area. And I remember... Um, being absolutely petrified at the thought that anyone in primary school would learn that I was at ballet. So if you can understand a nine, 10 year old boy already learning to suppress, to hide, that really is something I kept, you know, into my twenties. And I remember being on the field and this boy being like, do you go to ballet? And I was like, no. Um, But like, just, just, it was just, it was just, I didn't want to admit that I, I was, 
I was dancing. I mean, come on. What a, what, a, what a thing to go through. But what happened then at secondary school is I found this determination and power that I didn't know I had. So I went from an average student to, be, to a straight A student. In year 11, when you're getting A's, you know, when there's um, certificates being handed out for attendance and attainment or effort, I was the only boy on the stage still getting those because I just threw myself into my work. I was aced every exam and that was my power was to prove everyone wrong and to absolutely go full throttle at everything I did and and that power that I kind of discovered at that time in secondary school was you know it really has carried me through to where I am today however I was absolutely bullied I remember being followed around by these when I look think back at these two people right now they were like two not very good looking twin boys and they were following me around like five steps behind me going gay 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 boy gay boy gay boy wherever I entered every room I entered people would look at me they would laugh at me and the hardest thing is that at that time I actually didn't know I was gay so I was being called gay which I didn't know I was so it was it was a kind of a very confusing time and so same thing happened to me when I went to, to drama school and I was finally allowed and accepted myself that that's maybe what these feelings were. Everything was making sense. Oh my God, it's making sense. When I was looking at all these like, <laughs> like cartoon books and there was like half naked cartoons. Why, why was I finding that really sexy? Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. So I got to this point where, yeah, drama school, I just was like, felt a lot freer. Yeah, of course. So let's skip to drama school. And that's obviously where I met Stuart. And Francis is a few years uh, behind us, weren't you, in, in our like stage school journey. And so, Stuart, when we started stage school, you were a straight guy having relationships with girls. When did it all change? <laughs> Tell me. Yeah. So I feel like when I went, <laughs> it's so funny when I think about myself as straight. That's hilarious. Um, I went to, that actually was a question when we arrived at college, it was the first question everyone you asked you, are you gay or straight? I, I said I was straight for a week. And then you, <laughs> and then you go like bisexual and then you're like, oh, actually I'm fully gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I just feel like it was very early on in my first year when I had my first kiss with a boy, um, which was like the most liberate. it was like unbelievable I got all like tingles down my back I was like, oh my god this is incredible and I fell in love instantly straight away as you do um but then after that as well because I didn't I don't think any person especially of that generation of our generation wanted to be gay it, it felt like it was gonna be a, a hard life it was not gonna be easy you're gonna my mum was always saying it might, might be lonely or whatever I think that was her biggest concerns and so I obviously tried not to I battled it for a whole year of even maybe even longer into my second year of 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 drama school because I didn't allow myself these feelings I didn't think it was right and because yeah I just really battled with it so I would have a kiss with a boy and then I'd kiss a girl and then I'd kiss a boy and then I'd sleep with a girl and then I'd sleep with a boy and then I slept with everybody the first year of, of that of the drama school was fantastic <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I was so horny. <laughs> oh, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, like this horny 17-year-old, like, showing up, and then we're all there in leotards being overtly sexual about <laughs> absolutely anything and everything. And it was just, I think we all started, and it was, like, all the boys, it was, like, 20 girls and 20 boys, and, like, there was 20 boys, and one of them was gay. And by the Christmas, it was, like, three were straight and the rest were gay. It was just, like, the most wonderful thing that actually people were stepping into their actual, like, selves. It was so nice. And so, Francis share with me yours your like coming out experience so i like mine was kind of a bit um do you know that that phrase by osmosis it kind of like seeps in it wasn't like this like set moment but i remember being like walking down the, the high street in chiswick with my friend and we were chatting away and she just looked at me and she went do you like nicholas and i looked at her and i went maybe and it was the first time I'd ever just allowed myself that I liked a boy. I mean, I didn't fancy Nicholas, but it was just like, I felt like she was going, oh, yeah, you know, it's okay to be gay. And I was going, yeah, yeah, that's the way I am. So it was like kind of that's what happened. And then, um, you know, I started to feel kind of a lot, a lot more at peace with, with the fact that I, that I was gay. And um, I know this is 
funny, but I I used to secretly watch gay porn before these moments, and I always used to feel so guilty watching gay porn. And finally, after that moment, I was like, I can I can watch gay porn and feel absolutely fine <laughs> and feel absolutely fabulous. <laughs> so. What happened? My first, my first gay experience was with a, a boy. We'll call him Derek. That's not his real name. And he was kind of a bit of, he was probably the steward of the year. Like he was sleeping with everyone and he was <laughs> such a charmer. And I just remember being at some party, Christmas party was like a sleepover, like five of us there. I was ended up in a room with him. I don't know how. He literally never asked me if I was gay. He put his hand on my leg and then like stuff happened. And it was literally like, tingles like everything just came alive it was just the most incredible experience and I remember walking home the next day like feeling 20 feet tall I wanted to tell the world but also I was like how do I tell everyone now like you know how how am I going to tell my parents I want to tell them this is something I'm proud of um but will I be rejected and were you proud of it straight away yeah, I just felt like free. I was like, wow. oh, this is incredible. This is an amazing feeling. And I think I had probably messaging in the in college that to say that it was okay for me to not feel shameful or anything like that. But I just wanted, yeah, I felt, felt free and I wanted to tell everyone. Mm. And Francis, am I correct in saying that you've actually never slept with a woman? Never. Never. <laughs> never. Never. I'm one of those gold star gays. <laughs> Premium. Platinum gay. <laughs> Yeah, premium premium <laughs> platinum gay never been with a woman oh i've kissed i mean i've kissed i've kissed girls on stage in character yeah. playing a part yeah. um but that's as far as as i've been um yeah i just i was afraid of that to of be honest course. i remember like in, in like a sixth form people being like opening the magazine i hated this question they'd be looking through a magazine and they'd be like who do you fancy and i'd have to pick someone and i didn't fancy anyone do you know what yeah, i mean yeah, like, yeah. oh i hated yeah. those questions <laughs> like Stuart was a little bit more fluid shall we say so obviously we're Holy. in our little yeah i was here. yeah <laughs> we're in our little arts ed bubble which is just this <laughs> place horny. of total acceptance and then how did you then go about you know sharing it with your family because when you go back to Wales or you go back to Hayes it's a different life you know I really really remember you know because we all wanted to be pop stars didn't we in our teenage years and I remember there was it was like you had to look a certain way you had to be a certain way you know there was everyone was stick thin everyone had Peter Andre abs and they were straight they looked like Barbie and Kendall's basically like that was the era that we grew up in and you were straight and that was it and so everything that kind of we wanted to be was so far out of that you know so and that's obviously what our parents grew up in even more so so how did you then go and share you know like this liberating experience with your family what was it like I had the feeling that from things I now had put together looking back that my mum would be absolutely okay with it um there was a time when I was 10 years old that I was at the airport and I remember it so clearly now I saw two men kissing and it was just the most like it hit me like in my chest I'd never seen this before I didn't even know it was a thing that it existed and I remember you know after that holiday in talking to my friends oh my gosh I saw two boys kissing and my mum being you might be gay she said you might be gay and I looked at her and it kind of kind of sh- shut me up, basically. And what she was saying is, don't judge, because that could be you. And really, what she was probably applying, that probably is you. Um, so I kind of had these messaging, you know, things that I knew that she would be okay. But obviously, you don't really know. My dad was a bit unsure about, um, you know, he's a, 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 a typical male person. And um, so I my parents were really into friends. So I decided, and I started to get into Will and Grace, which is a similar kind of comedy series. So I bought them a box set of Will and Grace um, to enjoy. And they were loving it. They were watching all the episodes and my little brother was loving it too. And he was about 10, 11 at the time. So that was kind of a tryout. I was like, well, if they're watching Will and Grace, they're watching, this, this is a gay sitcom. Surely they're going to be okay with a gay son. So I, I had that first sexual experience in the Christmas time. And by Easter, I was like, right, I'm ready to go home and tell my parents that, um, yeah, that I'm gay. So I was staying there and my brother was in the room at the same time. It was 10, 11. And I just said to my, to my mum and dad, do you mind if I speak to you alone? And I can just remember my parents just looking at me like as, as if they, as if they knew something was coming. Um, 
And then my little brother was in the room and they were like, Yori, you need to leave the room. And he was being annoying. And he was like, I don't want to leave the room. I don't leave the room. <laughs> so they were like, Yori, leave the room. So anyway, he ended up leaving the room. He was actually listening by the door, the little naughty boy. Um, but they were sat on the sofa and I was, I was looking at them. And I just, I just couldn't, like the words, I couldn't get the words out to say, I'm gay. So I put it in a question form. It was like, you know I'm gay, right? And they literally jumped to their feet and immediately embraced me. And it's just, it's just the most beautiful thing because I just felt instantly accepted. And I think after that, I just wanted to tell everyone because I I knew I had that kind of, that kind of core acceptance from them. And I just, I'm, when I consider them as people, that's something I really look up to. And I know being a parent, you know, we're all, we're both parents here. Like we're going to make mistakes, but that's one thing they really got right is that they never judged and they accepted me. And they said to me in that moment, you know, we didn't know whether you'd be old, an old man and you would only find out then, but we're just so happy that, um, that you found that now. So yeah, that was my experience. And yeah, I, it was just amazing. And then I literally told as many people as I could. <laughs> And Stuart, what was yours like? Yeah, my my experience was slightly different. My and the thing is, this is also when I'm speaking, this is my interpretation of mm. the events that happened because everybody perceives it very differently, don't they? So my mum and dad's experience of this would be a different experience to what I'm saying, probably. But when I decided, I had a boyfriend at the time, um, and. I in that moment when I when I started to date this this boy I was like I'm not I don't feel confident enough to tell my parents so if they ask me I will te- I will be honest but until they ask me then I'll know that they're ready to hear because I just didn't feel that they were necessarily going to be the most open to what I had to tell them so I told I was going away for Christmas it was my second year at Arts Ed I was going away to do panto at Christmas and my my mum was helping me pack as she always does even now and she was asking me loads of questions and kind of dry like digging so I could tell that it could be a moment where this is getting it she's going to ask and she was like what because I wasn't I wasn't going to come home for Christmas that year and she wanted to know why and who I was going to spend Christmas with and she said is Ryan, I can't remember the exact words, but something along the lines of, is Ryan your boyfriend? And I said, yes. And she was like, are you gay? And I said, yes. And she was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's, but again, this is my, my interpretation of it. That's how I remember it. That might not have been the actual truth, but that's how I remember it. And I was just like, I felt, I felt so deflated and hurt in that moment, if I'm going to be honest. And then, um, we didn't really talk about it much. She came and see, saw, saw me in Panto with my sister and her, my sister's friend. And we were in Pizza Hut. We were sitting around a round table in Pizza Hut. And my mum's like, go on then, tell, tell your dad. Tell your dad what you told me earlier. And I was like, oh, I don't know if this is the right time. My dad was a really kind of like awkward person around any kind of confrontation ever. He's like, oh, 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 oh. And um, I was like, fine, fine, I'll tell you, I'm gay. And I just remember, the only thing I really remember was my sister and her friend moving away from me around the round table to be a bit further away. And yeah, I, I don't really remember very much more than that. Like I just, just remember not feeling necessary like how Francis talks about his story I don't think I necessarily felt those feelings of full acceptance at that time so maybe that's probably why I my personality type pushes back a little bit more is a little bit more confrontational than Francis because I have that little bit more of like resistance in those early stages of coming out as gay and so I am a bit more flamboyant than Francis I am a little bit more like wild and I think maybe from those early stages it necessarily kind of like shaped a a part of me that makes me not want to follow any rules do my own thing and not listen to other people's opinions because I had to trust my own gut instincts about who I was even when other people didn't necessarily see that as a good thing and having you know being older now and I've read actually some books about you know the gay kind of how this is all kind of come around in terms of 
the acceptance that we see today but back in the in those days when my mum and dad were growing up you have to remember you could go to prison for being gay and people were being locked up for being gay people there was the aids pandemic where literally i was born in that so my 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 the only news my parents were being fed were you're gonna die if you if you're gay and that you you're lonely you're lonely and all this kind of like terrible news that that they that they didn't know any gay people they didn't have any experience with any gay people so they just saw lonely people sad and dying so i i understand where they're coming from and everything is all wrapped up in love or fear and it was just fear is the reason why they didn't necessarily accept me because they were fearful of what this life could bring me or not bring me. And they had this vision, and I do it for Rio right now, my son, have have a beautiful vision of what I see for him and how I see his life going. But if that's not, you know, it's not always the the way it's going to go, you know? So I I understand as well. I also feel like these early moments really shape who we are so much. And regardless of how, what you perceive, the way you felt, like just listening to Stuart's story, I feel the rejection of what it feels like to go through that moment. Because I've personally been, you know, feeling like that. It's, it's hard. It really, really is hard. And I just hope for so many young gay people out there that they, that these moments become fewer because it is just... It's so hard to feel rejected by your parents. And I just want to say one, one last thing, because my mum will probably be listening to this because she knows us both and probably be like eager to be listening. <laughs> and I want to just point out that she is the most wonderful person yeah. and she like literally is, means everything to me and means the world, absolute world to me and has come around and has kind of seen this like, and, and loves me and Francis and our baby, like the whole, the whole shebang. But it, it just was in that moment yeah. of feeling super vulnerable. That's, that's how I but felt. I think that's, that's about, that's a great, great reflection of today. Like we can, we can evolve. We do change. We can forgive. We can move on. We can grow. No, that's, that's part of the human experience, you know, like I have definitely been brought to this planet to push both every my mom single parent and my dad's <laughs> buttons. <laughs> buttons on a whole new level. And it's quite interesting when you think about parenting styles, because what we're doing, we're both pulling on our, both our different parents, parenting styles. So my parents were very, you know, understanding, very uh, trusting, very um you know, non-judging. However, they weren't pushy parents. So when I was going to drama school and things like that, I did all the applications myself. I went myself to to London um, and I possibly could have done with my parents there pushing me because I I lacked confidence. And that's something that Stuart's really brought into my life is being that pushy parent. Like, Francis, you should should be the lead in this show. Yeah, he he wasn't confident enough to push himself to go for the lead in the show. And I'm like, if I was six foot, if I was dark, if I had the talent that you had, I would be every single lead in this West yeah. End. And so slowly you then started playing leads in the West End. Yeah, all because of you. But yeah. that become that comes from his mum. You know, his <laughs> but his mum is, you know, she she was driving at everything. She was putting Stuart in every class, every gymnastics class, yeah. and he was, you know, getting That was to definitely the front. her strength. She yeah. did so well in that area. So it's like and and what we're trying to be now as 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 parents what we're pulling on is we want that kind of no judgment we want that kind of pushy but we also want a middle point where you know what's best for Rio as well so we're still figuring it out you're doing an amazing job and so touching on our parents so obviously your dad Stuart the amazing Clive Armfield we just love him so much do would you say that that was probably one of the toughest times in your life? No, like I would I would say like the build up to him dying was actually one of the happiest years of my life. I feel like I didn't know my dad. My dad was a very quiet man, and until he got diagnosed with cancer, I we didn't really have any contact with him. No. I would never call him. I wouldn't kind of like. He just, he just was a person that just was in the background. I really wouldn't have had a strong relationship with my dad. My dad got diagnosed with um, stage four bowel cancer and it literally was the most enlightening year and the, one of the best years of my entire life. It sounds so crazy, but my dad moved in with us and we looked after him and we had so much fun like I just I took him to Mexico um we got treatment over in Mexico he was told that he would, he would have like 15 months to live and he literally lived 15 months to the to the time he was like 
very on point with that. Um, but I was looking to Mexico to get some alternative treatment. And in that three weeks that we were in Mexico, we just bonded so much. We laughed so much. I realized, cause I used to think to myself, how was I born in, into, like, how, how am I anyway think like my dad? He's so different to me. And then in that time when he was his most vulnerable, he kind of just opened up his spirit turned into like a little boy again. And just, it was amazing. amazing. And we had the most amazing end of his life, basically last year with loads of hope. That's the one thing that I learned from that is whenever I've been successful in anything in my life, the amount of hope that I've had has always been the the highest emotion in my body. And that year I just lived with like this enormous amount of hope and my business like flourished and everything was booming and everything was amazing. And I was just like loving life so much. And my dad, one thing I loved about seeing in my dad is he just loved being part of the community that I was building with my business and the, the, yeah, just everything about it. He just absolutely loved being around us all. When he died, I think for the first six months, I was definitely in denial. I was definitely like, this isn't happening, like, you know, whatever. And just, just carry on with living my life. We were going skiing. We had lots of fun things. And then lockdown came and we were stuck in the house with no alternatives to go out to... And so many rules. So many rules, which <laughs> Shoot, I absolutely hate. hate. Um, and so... Yeah, that's for me one of my darkest moments of life ever, I think, so far. I couldn't pull myself out of the pit and I didn't want to either. It was really, it was a really like deep, dark, internal moment for me. And did you seek any help with that, Stuart? Yeah, yeah. I did. I, um, I got counselling. Um, I got counselling before I really went into my darkest depression. I don't know. I don't even call it depression. I wasn't on any medication. I wasn't told I was depressed, but it was just a real dark, I suppose just mourning more than anything. It was just so hard to get myself out of it. And like Francis is about to say, like I definitely own the energy in our relationship in the room. Like if I'm happy, we're all happy. If I'm not, then it's, Francis finds it really hard to to pull himself up. So Francis, I feel like went with that as well. Yeah, it just I just always saw Stuart as this like strong, always positive, always flourishing person, and everything switched. He became negative. He was angry. He was sad, and that was very unnerving for me because he was the rock. But also through that, I've learned to find my own strength because it means you know I also went a funny way and you know kind of lost myself and what I really felt was like this power that I talked about that I discovered at the age of 11 that powered me through and you know get the best grades and go full out what really developed was this massive uh, philosophy of avoidance so I only wanted to feel good a good emotion was being happy and then there were sad emotions fear sad I did not want to face any of those emotions so I used to avoid them but if you avoid something too long that's when anxiety builds up and it's like a pressure cooker and it just got to the point where I literally couldn't avoid it anymore and I kind of followed Stuart's footsteps and started my own therapy journey kind of during the pandemic and that's been absolutely transformational for me just to go back to all those young child moments and speak to my inner child and younger child and just say, you're going to be okay. And it's okay. And just, yeah, it's, it's been, although it's been, it was a hard year, the pandemic, I feel like it shaped us. Oh God. I wouldn't take it back. It's kickstarted a whole new kind of life for us. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were planning your wedding. Do you remember? We were planning, I had my, I know, I know my maid of honor speech already. It was like, going to be this epic event and then obviously covid changed everything and then you know what i loved about you guys and and this is why it's you're so inspiring for me so many of us would were sitting in that pit and although i know obviously that you were what you did do instead of going oh poor us like we can't have a wedding you were like okay instead of having a wedding and putting all this money on a wedding why don't we start a family and that was kind of like the beginning of that journey wasn't it yeah, it was having a conversation with you, Nicola, actually, I was in this d- dark place. I was probably talking to you about how I was feeling and whatever. And you were like, you said, Stuart, it's now. The time is now. It's never going to be a right time. It's If it's money you're worried about, I will lend you it. Whatever it is, just make it happen now. Because if you don't do it now, you never will. And I feel like 
you there's a part of you that wants this this next stage of growth and i feel like you need to need to take hold of it so it's after that conversation that i really then started diving into how does a gay couple have a family because i didn't really there is no guidebook (laughs) there is no guidebook on how to do that and for the first time it sounds so crazy this is the weirdest comment ever but for the first time it really i really like embraced my gayness through Rio it's so interesting I didn't necessarily see myself as a gay man I saw myself in a relationship with Francis all of my friends were girls and we were talking about boyfriends etc and so I never really associated myself with any kind of gay gay culture or gay anything although I literally fit into every gay stereotype <laughs> tick 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 musical theater tick yeah. dancing tick but also Stuart you used to hate going to gay clubs yeah. do you remember I was like let's go to G-A-Y you're like no I hate going to gay clubs I want to be the only gay wherever I am <laughs> that was actually like... <laughs> yeah but it was but if you relate back yeah. to the moment of you know that you're talking about those early stories and the messaging yeah. you were receiving basically it was just not accepting of my full self full self yeah but we both we both found our gayness through that kind of that kind of place and learned to fall in love with ourselves and the thing is I love being gay we both love being gay it feels you know and when people say oh it's a choice whatever I'm like honey I mean I didn't choose but it's this feeling I love I love the relationships that we can have with women and both Stuart and I are the biggest champion of women we just love strong powerful women Um, but also being a man like I just I just feel very happy in my own skin yeah agreed but going back to what you were saying about the like starting the family situation so we started we started to kind of research what was going on like how we can do this and it was actually the lady who came to our house to write my dad's will um when he was in his last year she said i know a gay couple that i could put you in touch with that have just had a baby via surrogacy and then i messaged them they then put me onto the doctor that we had a call with had that call with our doctor um who we actually ended up using and from that moment i was like had the same feeling as i had when i met francis i was like that is the doctor that we will use that will get will get <laughs> us pregnant. Like I had this, I have very, very strong always. Both of you actually do. Yeah, From knowing do. both of you, you have the strongest gut feelings. And that's something I admire in both of your personalities, this kind of lightness to life, this this ability to, to focus on your vision, uh, but still being so grounded. It's something I... I admire him, but you both. We both do have very strong gut instincts. And I just knew from that moment, I was like, right, that's the doctor. I knew for for a fact. And then just placing other things. And then basically what happened was um, we started down the process in America. And then one of our egg donors let us down. And then one of our friends said, I'll be your surrogate. So different to an egg donor, but she said, I'll be your surrogate. I'll carry your baby for you. And then that's how the process started with using one of our friends to carry our baby, which is now Rio. Um, We flew her to America and had the best time ever. It was amazing. And then obviously Rio was born in 2021, literally two years to the exact month that my dad died. So that for me in in November. It is crazy because the way everything works in our relationship is Stuart comes up with the vision. He has sets the tone. He's like, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And then I'm better at this, the day to day kind of working out. I just get overwhelmed at the thought of like having a baby, but tomorrow we're going to do this. So, you know, what he achieved in having a baby within 15 months of making a decision during a global pandemic, when you really couldn't travel anywhere was quite remarkable. Really? When you think about it, I know it is is pretty impressive. (laughs) Francis, how did you feel about, because obviously Stuart is like the vision caster. Like, I want to have a baby. We want to have a baby. And then were you like, you know, yeah, okay, cool. Like, did you feel established? Because I feel like even whether, you know, you're a, a gay couple or a straight couple, you never feel like you're ready. And I guess with you guys, it has, it's so much more of like a decision. You know, it's it's way more calculated rather than in let's just have sex and see what happens, you know. So, you know, once you'd made that decision, how did you feel? I didn't really think much about it. I kind of just let myself get carried away with the with the baby train. Um, and when I look back and now how I feel being a dad and how much it's changed me as a person and it's just been the most incredible year of my life, there's so much I didn't consider. Um, but that's the kind of way I work really as a person. I kind of figure it out in the moment. I'm much better like that. But I must say there were probably times where I maybe thought like, 
you know, am I, am I ready for this? Like, is this the right time? Like, um, and I was going through some stuff myself in, in that time as well and, and during the pandemic. So, but I, I probably, I probably drowned out those feelings and those questions. If, if I was, if I had that feeling, I would, probably wouldn't have voiced it. But as Stuart had always said, I felt like he was like, I know this is the right thing for you. And you're right. It really was the right thing for me to, to start a family and, and, and for us, you know, so. And I think that the main feeling that I was looking to get out of this whole experience again was that feeling of hope. Yeah. And as soon as, soon as I got off that call from you, Nick, I had that feeling of hope back of like, oh my God, this is, this could be something so exciting for me and Francis mm. to strengthen our relationship and to grow again. I just was so excited about that. But when we were in the process, it was the most exciting thing because yeah. obviously we traveled to Mexico and took Sam and her family with her, with us. And we, we started documenting it and I love creating content and sharing our story. So I just, I just got involved in that kind of creation and it was an amazing time. And obviously the reality hits you. I remember when he was born and then Sam's obviously given birth to him and then we're there and then Sam left. And then you're like, shit. The reality is now that we have got to take him home. And I know maybe many dads feel like this, but you know, we don't carry the baby. You know, you've, you maybe feel like you know, you've carried the baby for nine months. You've got some sort of connection, but I know a lot of women also have felt the same, like, what, what what on earth do I do now? So I, it's very different. So in that moment, in that first moment for me, I was like, I've got this. I can do this. I knew I had I had pure certainty that it was I was a hundred percent going to be absolutely fine. The it, it was the it was the birth situation I was scared of because I had no control over that. As soon as I felt like I had my control back, I was like, we're going to be amazing dads. We're going to mm. shape this person, whoever it is, into the most fun full full of life kind of person and i'm so excited so i had that full certainty that i was going to be great but i do that about everything in life. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good classic example he thinks he's going to be great and then is surprised when he isn't i don't think i'm going to be great and then surprised when i am yeah. so that's uh, yeah. so true <laughs> what a perfect relationship though so guys obviously then you know rio is born and that's really you know kind of i remember halfway through the pregnancy you were like right let's document this on TikTok. Let's really openly share this. What was the drive behind that? The, my drive was I went onto social media as soon as I got off the call from you and was trying to find people that I could ask questions to. There was no one in the UK at that time. It has definitely changed now, but at the time, there was no one I could ask any questions to whatsoever that was had a kind of social media presence. And so I started reaching out to people in America and I didn't really hear back from, I heard back from a few, but then not really that kind of transparent and helpful really and so I basically decided that I want to be the voice for people that want to start a family as a gay couple that can message me on social media and I will get back to them and I will be as helpful as I can possibly be in my power um, and that was kind of the reason we started it because I knew that we we're at this the start of a whole new ideal of gay man and what people think as a gay man is promiscuous that that don't necessarily like have strong relationships in terms of man to man mm -hmm. and I could feel that we we're on the start of seeing a whole new generation of gay men and I was like I really want to be the voice or the spokesperson or the help that that people can see in day in, in pure daylight that a gay couple are fully in love, have got a family. And if you want to ask me a question, I'm fully here to support you, to help you on that journey. So that's the reason we, I was like, said to Francis, I really, although we were scared at the beginning because we were going into this, not knowing if we were going to get pregnant or how easy the journey was going to be. But I said to Francis, I really think that there's a place for that as well. If this doesn't work out first time, second time, third time, there's also a space online for people to go, okay, that's fine. It didn't work out for them first time. I can see the progression and now they've got the baby because uh, there was no, I didn't have a single doubt in my mind that we wouldn't have a baby. Um, both of us were the same as that. I think that comes from a very naive kind of eye, but it was great because it just meant that our focus was on the end result rather than what could go wrong. And 
yeah so that's the reason why we started talking about and documenting our journey on social because yeah I just wanted to be that voice for people yeah, and you absolutely are and you know by being so open and so like honest with your life do you receive any obviously I know you've got like an abundance of like fans who just adore you but do you get any hate from being so exposed yeah um we do like so minor though i was really when especially on on tiktok i was expecting to be like bombarded with hate when we first started um and we really have just been bombarded with so much love and there are of course a lot of well a few comments from time to time that are negative but i've got to really search those comments out i've really got to try and you know a lot of them come from a, a different language. It's not in English. Mm-hmm. And so I have to like translate it. When I see it, when I see comments that aren't in English, I'm like, oh, this could be hate. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so I have to translate it because I also enjoy, I don't enjoy hate, but I enjoy, I feel my, uh, my responsibility commenting back is just educating people on love. And it, and because like I said in, earlier on in the podcast, I feel like, whenever anyone sends hate or has anything like that it's just fear-based energy and i just would love to return them back to love and remind them that we're just a loving couple like any other gay straight or whatever you are that just wanted to to take the next step in our relationship Mm -hmm. and so i always love to educate people that's the way i see it on you know the the beauty of what we have and the fact that we're alive in a time when there's technology to be able to have a baby as a gay couple, I think it's absolutely incredible and something that should be absolutely celebrated. And so when we do get the hate, I'm, I understand. And I always love them back. I never send anything hateful back. I'll always either send something jokey back that me and Francis literally belly laugh as we're sending it or we'll send send them something to help educate them I just love that so much and you know and you're so right like how blessed are we that we are in a time where what you guys are going through is possible you know and but you are still like really one of the first like what maybe 100 200 people in the whole of the UK to be doing that like you are like leading the way and it's just so powerful and so inspiring to see and watch that and I know you know when you've come to visit me here in Ibiza it's like oh my god it's two at France it's like you're getting stopped in the airport I mean how does that make you feel <laughs> that is we love that too well, we, we both love it and I, I'm not like Stuart <laughs> I didn't know I wanted to be famous Stuart's wanted to be Stuart's always wanted to be famous so he's living his dream but I'm like oh I like I like being I mean not famous quite yet but you know that kind of feeling of recognition and I think and also people are just at all ages as well it really baffles me like it happened yesterday and they were like 12 yeah we walked past it was actually quite intimidating we yeah. walked past this group of 12 year olds and they were like on their bikes they were like you outside know, a chicken shop in rice in rice lip and i was a little bit nervous <laughs> walking past them because i could feel they were staring at me i was like oh my god please don't try and fight me right now this, or like yeah back, that's, back that's in my the inner gay guy inner gay young gay is like oh please the shield's up and then this then one of them shouted out oi are you on tiktok and i was like yeah we are He's like, oh my God, I love you. I follow you. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> We're not going to get beaten. <laughs> um, but yeah, and sometimes, the, and we, we actually oh, have- a, amazing, amazing. But that's the shift. Yeah, yeah, we have a massive following of over 65s as well. who <laughs> love our content. So it's, yeah. It's amazing. And so guys, with, you know, coming to the close of this podcast, with every single guest, I am always going to ask them the same question. And that question is, what would you say to your younger self? What advice would you give them? Wow. I'm going to think of mine. You start. Okay. I would just say that fabulous, fabulous person that you have inside of you, don't dim that light for anybody. Because I know when you are growing and you're in your teenage years, you're not necessarily going to feel like you're allowed to be who you are. But that person that you're trying to dim is the person that is going to show you the the best life ever. So just follow. There's two voices in your head. The voice that is the the human and the voice that is the the spirit. And just follow the spirit's voice, the, the voice that is like abundant and fun and loving and only knows joy. Because by following that voice, you will absolutely come to the and have the life that you've always dreamed. I would say you are enough. You are enough. 
everything is going to be so fabulous for you. Just trust it, relax, continue what you're doing, what you're doing, but just, yeah, just don't be afraid. Stop being afraid because everything is going to work out and you are going to meet the most incredible guy. He's going to change your life. You're going to have a family. You're going to have all these wonderful things. And yeah. Can I just say something on that, on that point? Because I was just like in my head just thinking about if I was speaking to your younger, your younger self. Yeah. Because obviously we've spoken loads about yeah, what would you this, say to this, him? this experience. I feel like the number one thing that would, held, would have held you back that you've really worked through over these past few years as a young boy is the fear of what other people thought of yeah. you. That used to literally like cripple you to the mm-hmm. fact that you would like have like shaking and about speaking about certain things. Yeah. Do you remember what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so I feel like letting go of what other people think. And yeah. I think what's happened over these past few years for you is yeah. that you've had this void like my, for me <laughs> not, not bigging myself up but just constantly breathing belief into you belief into yeah. you that i've just seen you open up it's been so nice yeah. to, to go from that person that was like yeah francis at the beginning that this is how much of a change i've seen in francis when we first started dating i used to always record myself because i thought i was fabulous in my leopard print onesie and I'd film Francis for literally a second and he would literally be angry angry at me. Like, because he didn't want to be filmed because he had no confidence. Yeah. So to see him now constantly filming himself, I always think to myself that it's just so nice to see the growth of belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just wanted to say, just say that, that one little bit because just, I've just seen so much no, growth no, in you. No, it's, it's so like, nice yeah. to see. It's just, I feel, although I'm so connected to that younger self, I am like a changed person because of the work I've done on myself. And all I can say is if you've, if you've never done therapy, it's something definitely to explore because it's been the most incredible thing for me. And what I just feel like is so equipped to help Rio navigate certain things and navigate this world. And he will get questions, you know, why have you got two dads and why, you know, and I feel like we're the best people to help him navigate that question because we have... We understand what feeling different feels like, you know, and that's why we wanted to start a family because we'd worked on ourselves. We had this philosophy for life of having fun, going on adventures, like seeing the best in people. And that really is like sometimes people say to us, you know what, you're exactly the same in person as you are online. And that's like, that is the way we see the world, that we are just like wide eyed young boys still just having the best time. And I just can't wait to take our kids along with that. I know. With the next one due in September. (gasps) I cannot (laughs) wait. I know. So, guys, it has just been the biggest pleasure. And I know that everyone listening to this is going to have taken so much away from that. You are two truly magical human beings. Rio is a very, very lucky little boy. And it is I just love being the bestest bestest girlfriend in the whole wide world to you guys. Uh, So thank you so much. And we will see you all soon. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye-bye.